Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 83rd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teen podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. It's September 21st and the first day of my Power Your Parenting program. This will be the last time I will be offering a group program this year. I wanted to let you know that I have room for one more mom. If you feel this is for you and you're listening to it on September 21st, it's not too late. The Power Your Parenting program is a seven-week program where you will get support every day for 49 days and meet with other like-minded moms once a week. If you want to dial down the drama with your teens and in your home, if you want to enjoy the fall semester and reclaim your life, then email me at Colleen, which has two L's and two E's, at dialdownthedrama.com. So Colleen at dialdownthedrama.com. Act quickly, and I can get you started today. Together, we can come up with some creative solutions for this crazy COVID fall. In our episode today, we're going to talk about why curiosity is key to learning and what moms can do about that during COVID. Well, I have a very special guest for you today. Mike Alpert is the founder of Cogent Solutions, an educational consulting firm that designs professional development for teachers and administrators. Mike brings private sector experience to the field of education, where he used his MBA to become a project analyst at a wind energy firm before going back to grad school, a second time to pursue a position teaching middle school humanities and entrepreneurship and working his way up as a Crystal Award-winning educator to an administrator position. Mike now spends his time empowering parents, educators, and administrators so they can more freely empower the next generation. So welcome, Mike. Thanks, Colleen. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a great conversation. So how did you get interested in curiosity? That's a great question. So I've long since uh, missed some of my very, very uh, fondest days in the classroom. And so I I predominantly taught sixth grade. Um, I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then worked with high schoolers overseas. But uh, I remember one year specifically, this is probably um, about seven years ago now, that I was given a class um, that intentionally had a lot of specific ability levels clustered within it. So it was it wound up being a class of, of huge ability range. Um, some of the students were testing at um, below grade level, below sixth grade, and some were testing at 10th grade uh, reading level and, and math level. And so uh, I was kind of charged with coming up with a way to create a self-directed learning model in this classroom. And one of the things that I did, and I worked with colleagues to do that, they're very helpful. And I worked with the local university piloting a program that kind of focused on um, some of this ex- exploratory uh, learning pathways. 
And really what it was, was allowing kids to let their curiosity drive their academic inquiry. And so it would help them identify something they were interested in and then support them in pursuing um, learning about and implementing some skills around, around those concept areas. And so it was kind of around that time, seeing it in action, that I really uh, felt like this is a very, very powerful, pure um, idea that kids magnetically gravitate towards. And so one of the ethics that I have always lived by since then, it, since then is that curiosity and enthusiasm are contagious, right? I think specifically working with um, maybe preteens or younger kids, uh, when you're excited about something and you show that you're curious about something, that does transfer to them uh, very directly. And uh, I, I saw that um, through setting up scenarios and providing enough structure that kids could uh, learn how to do research and learn how uh, to learn. So kind of some metacognition stuff. Once they were empowered with some tools and turned loose to pursue what they wanted to pursue, there was no stopping them. It wasn't having to incentivize them with the reward. It wasn't having to, you know, try to convince them to study for a test. They were learning just for the sake of learning. They, they were pursuing it on their own. And that to see that work, you know, with hundreds of kids just made me really excited. I mean, it was incredibly fulfilling and, and kind of one of those things that I think a lot of adults think, all right, this isn't, this isn't really possible. This isn't going to work. Um, but to see a kid really ignited by an idea, there's just nothing better than that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so you're kind of talking about this, but um, I'd be curious to see what you'd like to add to it. So sure. why do you think curiosity is important? Well, <clears throat> I think it happens whether we think it's important or not, right? So I think as, as parents, um, it's a little bit of a two-sided coin. Uh, I know that you, you know, I listened to one of your podcasts recently on novelty, and I totally agree with a lot of the brain science that you were talking about. One of the things that you had talked about that I totally agree with and have seen happen in, in real life is, is that kids do seek novelty. They seek things that, um, that are new and exciting. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I think about that we talked about in grad school um, is this, this not idea of good and bad, um, the binary in life, but useful and dangerous. You know, and so many tools and so many different um, avenues of exploration have an incredibly useful, exciting component to them, and then an incredibly potentially dangerous component to them uh, as well. So um, I think curiosity is important because it's going to happen regardless. And if kids aren't given something worthwhile um, to, to focus on, then they're going to put those energies in an unhealthy direction. And so I think a lot of the onus is on us as adults in those kids' lives to give them the tools, um, a little bit of accountability, and some motivation to pursue healthy curiosity instead of unhealthy curiosity. That's a good point. So it's redirecting that curiosity going in a constructive way. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. That's awesome. So how has it been historically cultivated or discouraged in school, this curious thing? Yeah, that's, you know, first thing just to kind of put out there. So I work with a lot of, I'm kind of in a unique situation right now where historically I've worked with a lot of teachers and administrators. Um, 
and, and having been one myself. And then currently I'm working with a lot of parents on um, a lot of learning models kind of in the situation that we find ourselves in today. And those two groups, they all want the same thing for their kids, right? They all want um, kids to be um, contributing members of society that are healthy human beings in the end. That's, I think, what every parent, what every teacher wants. Uh, I think that the goals and how they get there sometimes differ and the logistics, just the practical outplaying of that in our school system kind of has a way of minimizing curiosity a little bit, um, unfortunately, uh, in the day-to-day kind of practice of, of trying to get kids to, you know, meet test standards and, you know, cross different lines and that sort of thing. And so I don't think that any teacher intentionally means to, um, to discourage the active curiosity, but you see it all the time where there's a study done um, by Harvard where they looked at a lot of elementary school kids and they did observational, uh, they did observations of teachers where they would look at how kids were so engaged in a lesson and then wanting to take these rabbit trails and say like, oh, I want to learn about this and I want to learn about this and I want to answer this question that I have. And and but the teacher was stuck because they had to drive 30 kids towards a common goal by the end of the lesson. So inevitably, in that process, kids kind of have to shut down their own questioning to align with the goal of, of the class. And again, I mean, to no fault of teachers, that's kind of the way our system is structured. But I think as parents, you know, we see our kids curious about so many different things all the time, and it can be exhausting on one front. But um, to shut that down and kind of to diffuse it kind of turns off a really valuable piece of our kids. And so I think that in education, in, in um, elementary education specifically, um, just in the goal of, of managing 30 kids, which is a tough, tough job, um, you inevitably kind of have to water down the curiosity component a little bit, which is unfortunate. And then you kind of see it pop up again more in, in middle school and high school where kids are a little more um, have a little more autonomy and are able to to pursue those things down that road. But I think something can be lost uh, in that path from elementary to, to middle school. And I think it's important um, as parents to encourage that outside of school as much as possible. And then also to be having conversations with your school about, you know, how, how you can make that, um, how you can still value the exploration in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I talked to lots of teens and middle school kids, and I think without curiosity, there's no desire to learn. It's just trying to make a grade. They're bored, 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 bored. And I just think it's it's crucial for that curiosity to, like you said, ignite them and set them on fire. Um or they're just, you know, texting all day long, trying to, waiting for school to get out. So I think a lot of teachers have kind of moved on from, um, you know, kind of the more conventional direct instruction sit and get model that a lot of us experienced when we were in school. Um, but uh, again, back to that that paradigm of having to get all kids moved in the same direction. Yeah, a lot of that is inevitably lost. And so, um, more teachers are moving towards project-based learning, which allows students to kind of pursue their own curiosities, which is kind of what, what we're trying to do with our program too. And what we talk with a lot, uh, talk to parents a lot about right now as well. So how can parents help to support curiosity at home? And are there any risks to be aware of? Yeah. So this is kind of one of my 
passion topics um, that I kind of smuggle into our conversation about curiosity with parents. You know, working as as a middle school administrator, as you might imagine, um, you know, as a vice principal, when I had that job, I, I worked a lot with um, with behavior issues and, and discipline. And I also usually was the one that was trying to help repair um, either interpersonal conflict or conflict and flame is when, when things, um, when something really traumatic happened and, uh, the amount of damage that has been done, um, through, uh, social media and through, um, online, you know, again, that whole concept of useful versus dangerous, um, through online searching and pornography and, um, unfortunately even, you know, predators and that sort of thing. Uh, is is something that I think parents need to be more aware of, not less. And so part of what we talk about, our program is designed to help students, uh, specifically this year with remote learning, a lot of states are like Oregon, we're, we're still in kind of the remote learning um, setup, is to help give structure to that and support students in in accomplishing that goal at home. We also have a big offline component that we're really developing as well. However, I think one of the huge concerns about our time in history right now is that a lot of students are kind of outside of the school building and outside of the area where a lot of these things tend to kind of come to surface, right? There were so many different scenarios where a student was doing something they weren't supposed to do online. Um, they had gotten into some trouble, either kind of cyberbullying, either perpetrating that or being the victim of it, um, getting into pornography or these other different kind of uh, concerning topics. And because they had a conversation with a, a friend about it at school or a teacher overheard something, you know, it would come to our attention and we would help inform parents. And a lot of times parents had no idea that this was going on and, and thought this, my kid can never get wrapped up into something like this. Um, so without that role of kind of uh, a lot of times students feeling comfortable telling a teacher or a parent that they're concerned about a peer, and then us kind of getting involved and then getting the family involved in problem solving that, you know, there's a lot of concerns about um, how those problems don't just go away because a lot of kids aren't going to conventional school right now. And so as much as online learning is having to happen uh, in the days of COVID, uh, I think that students or parents need to be more cognizant and more in tune with um, the the dangers that that are out there online. And we have videos that we direct towards students to help keep them safe online and then I have a video that I kind of address towards parents about um, just the frank realities of uh, I don't think that you can opt out of using uh, the internet as a tool these days. I think it's a necessary thing for education and for social interaction. However, um, never assume and um, never believe that uh, X or Y can't happen to my kid because it can. And, and if you're not having candid conversations about that with your student, um, the risk just magnifies exponentially. Okay, so you're talking about kind of the negative side of curiosity, um, but I think what the what the moms would want to know is how do you support positive curiosity at home? So talking about what parents can do to support curiosity, um, I, I think one of the things that parents often don't realize is that um, we don't know what's going to stick when uh, students are looking for something to be curious about. So a lot of times you might ask a student, well, what do you want to learn about? What do you want to study or a parent at home? 
um, you know, we have some time this afternoon. We're going to go on a little adventure. What do you want to do? And they're, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. And I think a lot of what I ran into with students is they have things that they're curious about, but they remain a little bit inaccessible to students because uh, they're not always able to articulate what they're interested in or they haven't discovered it yet. So I think a huge piece of this is having wide exposure uh, to a lot of different concepts and ideas and seeing what's gonna stick. It's really hard to predict in advance what students are gonna find, uh, what students are gonna be curious about. So one of the things that we do is we provide a graphic survey that walks students through a bunch of questions about things that they're passionate about, events that they're excited about, if they could have a conversation with any person in history, who would they talk to and what would they talk about? And a lot of prompts, um, some of which are very kind of fantastic, some are very concrete, some are historical, some are math-based, science-based, that allow students to identify topics that they might be interested in um, and researching further. And then from there, we go through some additional, uh, some additional prompts that allows them to kind of flesh those ideas out a little bit and identify specific ideas they might want to research further. And from there, it's about connecting those ideas to other concepts um, in different disciplines. So a big component of what we do is talking about how do I take this idea that I'm naturally interested in and connect it to science or connect it to math or connect it to history um, and really get a deep understanding of it. Um, so that's a big part of, of what we do is, is helping students realize how interconnected the whole world is and how one little spark of interest in one little area, whether it's about you know a YouTuber, kids are really, really into their favorite YouTuber, can lead to them learning about, um, about different aspects of, of that technology and different aspects of communication, different aspects of um, uh, the good and bad concepts of fame and, and very abstract ideas as well. So we try to identify one thing that they're naturally interested in and then use that to broaden the web and broaden their exposure to different ideas. That's great. That's great. And, and different areas. So like what it might be one might be YouTube, but it, you can tie it to, to all sorts of different venues of curiosity. Yeah. It, one of the, one of the, we have what we call burning question um, kind of prompts. And so one of them is that right now, I don't know if you knew this, but there is a 400 ton block of concrete that's suspended by springs in the top of the 59th floor of the Citigroup building in the middle of Midtown Manhattan. Uh, so, so that's a concrete block that weighs as much as a 747 that's suspended by springs in the top of the building. And we ask the question, why in the world is that there, right? Yeah. What is the purpose of that? And if students were to research that, they would end up finding out something about uh, the mechanics of car engines, the physics of space flight, uh, the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, um, and also about this insane a top secret structural engineering mission that happened in 1978 in the middle of the night in, in New York City that involved the NYPD, uh, 2,500 Red Cross volunteers and three different weather services. And nobody, no, nobody in the public knew about it for decades. Um, and so that's one question that if I give that question to a 12 year old or a 14 year old, um, and I've done this in classes before, they can't concentrate on anything else until they find out the answer to that question. Um, and so it's really creating a sense of, 
okay, I have to resolve this for myself because, because I just have to know, you know, and we all have that within us, you know, a lot, maybe some of your listeners are going to be like, I, I have to find out that the answer to that. And I'm not going to tell you the answer to that question. That's the beauty of curiosity. You, you empower people to go find it out for themselves. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that. I totally love that. And yeah, and you got me interested. Just that that's, that's so random. I can see how that would really grab a student's attention. Right. That's awesome. Right. And I was thinking as you're talking is um, some other things that moms can do, I think, is to be curious about what their kids are learning. Sure. Like having the parent be curious. So mom is curious. So tell me about that and, and hearing their teens thoughts about it um, could be, be something that they do. Because I think sometimes the only questions that moms can ask around school is like, did you get your homework done? Right. right. They're not really dial dialoguing about what they're learning. And you could ask some questions like, well, how, so what do you think about that? Do you believe that? How do you think that's useful? So you could throw out a whole lot of questions as a mom and those would be very different questions. And I think your teens could actually talk to you about it. Even if they thought, I think it's stupid. And you go, really? Tell me more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's one of the, uh, the, the graphic organizer that I, the graphic survey is what we call it, that I mentioned um, that kind of prompts a lot of these kind of deeper questions about stuff. We have that available for free on our website. And one of the things that we encourage parents to do um, is to, to, to have your student fill that out. It's really easy. Um, they can do it in 10 minutes, but it is thought provoking. And then fill it out yourself as an adult. And then sit down and compare your your answers to your student, and I guarantee you it'll lead to interesting conversations that you never would have had otherwise. Well, that's great. I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, so, what role do teachers, mentors, coaches, et cetera, play in curiosity? How can you incorporate these aspects into your kids' lives in the days of COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. So, clarify for me: Is Texas? By and large, back to in-person instruction in schools. I believe so, right? Yeah, it's all over or the place. Really? Okay, so every district, every town's kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, public so, schools. Public schools are still mostly online. Some private okay. schools are hybrid. It's all over the place. Okay. Yeah. So in Oregon, it's it's almost exclusively online right now. Um, at least for public schools. Uh, and the only reason I ask that is that that's kind of what, these are the questions that are coming up with parents right now is, is how, how do we make this as close to a normal year as possible um, and, and maintain those, those social engagements that are so important for our kids? And I think that one of the things that I've been talking with parents about, um, and this kind of gets to that mentorship question and, and engaging with other adults um, in a healthy way, is that what if we didn't ask the question, how can we make this a normal year? But what if we looked at, all right, we have some constraints that are in place this year, no question, right? This year is a very unusual year. Um, but what other constraints are being released that allow us to have um, a very memorable year in a good way? So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, historically, uh, I have worked in schools. Um, even in my consulting job, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm in a building and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not always working from home. I do somewhat. Uh, my wife also works, um, but she's working from home predominantly right now and, and we're home with our son. 
So what can we do this year? Uh, and he has some freedom. Obviously, he's he's pretty young. Um, but most kids are at home this year to some degree. What can we do this year that's going to make it a very atypical but very positive year? So one of the things that we're going to do this winter in, in the Portland area where it's very rainy and kind of drab is that with another family, um, so my best friend uh, and his kids, he has three kids, we're all going down to southern Oregon. Uh, we're fortunate to have um, some family that has some land down there, uh, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And for a month, we're going to go spend time with our two families living in the same house, um, spending quality time together from a social aspect. Um, my wife's parents are going to be there who uh, are very knowledgeable in a lot of kind of crafty trade kind of situations. And they're going to kind of do a little winter camp for the kids and teach them, you know, all kinds of different stuff that they can do outside, that they can do with their hands. And part of this is how do we community source expertise to make um, novel and curious connections for our kids. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a different year, no matter what. A lot of what we've been talking about is let's accept that. Let's move past it and not try to make it a normal year. Let's make it an abnormal year, but in a really good way, in a way that all of our kids are going to look back and be like, man, remember that year that we went, you know, we spent a month playing outside in the winter, um, you know, when we would have been in school otherwise. So, that's one aspect of it. I think another aspect kind of moving this into more of a community sphere is thinking about, and I've kind of talked with about this, we're brainstorming this idea with, um, with some folks in our own neighborhood is, you know, I, we're close to our, to our neighbors here. Um, and you know, my neighbor, uh, to the East of me, uh, is a blacksmith or he has some expertise in being a blacksmith. We have a neighbor a block away that works for a, a TV production company and they're a broadcaster we have someone that works in social media marketing and between five or 10 families, I can guarantee you that we would find uh, five or six different skill sets that our kids could be exposed to. You know, it doesn't have to be regularly. It could be, you know, this afternoon for four hours, we're going to go uh, to Mr. Bill's house and we're going to learn about blacksmithing or we're going to do some, some handy trades over there. He teaches them something that they can uh uh, research further if they become interested in it or just spend time with another positive adult and making a connection that they wouldn't have otherwise. I, I feel like, you know, this is a little bit of a situation where um, we have the opportunity to pull together more than we have in the past as a community and kind of solve some of these problems uh, for our kids. For the, I mean, it's, it's so vital for kids to have positive connections with healthy and positive connections with adults that they're not going to necessarily have in a conventional way that they've had in the past with teachers and coaches and that kind of thing. Um, I think if those options are still available, they should pursue those. If sports are still on the table, you should absolutely involve your kids in sports. It's one of the most healthy things that they can do, extracurricular activities. Um, but even if they are, I think there are other things that we can do to supplement um, those things to make this year a very memorable one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I think a curiosity killer is just being in front of a screen all day long. Right. Right. And Absolutely. so, so any, any time you could get them interacting with life in some way can, can help with the curious factor. And there's a lot of things that you can do. You know, we, we talk a lot about um, doing interesting projects and, in, in what we do. Uh, one of the things that I'm constantly amazed by with 
teenagers is that if you give them a problem to solve, they will find a more creative solution than any adult could have ever come up with on their own. So one of the things that we've been talking about is I have a lot of friends right now with their kids at home. And, you know, we, again, have some flexibility. We're very blessed to to be able to travel a little bit and nothing fancy, just go places nearby the mountains or the coast or something like that. And it's, if, if you gave, if you had a 15 year old kid and you said, you know what, I know you want to spend time with your friends. I know you want to um, get out of the house. I know you want to get out of town. Um, This is how much money we have to spend. This is how much time we can go for. Uh, This is who you can invite, um, or you can invite this many people in this amount of space and stuff. And you give them some constraints and you let them plan a trip or them plan an activity. And you give them a couple of weeks to do it and you check in with them. And this is a lot of what we do in our program is, is building structure around milestones for big projects that they have a guide, they have a parent checking in with them, but they really get to run the show. I guarantee you, your kids would knock your socks off um, with what they came up with. And they would come up with some creative ideas and some, some creative solutions that as a parent, you just never would have considered. Um, and I think getting kids away from screens and doing things more like that and empowering them to, to, to find some of those solutions, I think is really important this year. That's great. That's great. So do you have any uh, final advice for the moms who are listening? You know, I think the biggest thing is kind of, like I said, is really think about and ask yourself the question. Um, You know, I saw online yesterday, uh, some friends, we're, we're asking, you know, they're kind of frustrated with the school setup and, and with uh, reducing their expectations of, of academically what might happen this year and that sort of thing. And they just said, can this year just be a gap year for all of us? Can we just kind of, you know, take a break? <laughs> and, you know, we laugh and, and, and then we move on and try to make responsible decisions. But I think the bigger question is, um, how can I make this year the most memorable year for my kids? Um, and really sit with that, be willing to be creative, be willing to think outside the box and do something that you never would have done otherwise and involve your kid in that. Um, and, and then go with it, try stuff, you know, do things that are a little bit adventurous, um, do things that are outside, do things that are away from screens, uh, do things that build candid conversations with your kids um, and be willing to add a depth to your relationship that you probably might not have been able to if you were caught in the slipstream of, you know, getting through Monday through getting through, you know, the school day and the chaos of the overburdened schedules and all of that stuff. Um, I think being very active is great for kids. It's, it's super healthy to, to have, um, a lot going on in their lives, but I think we all have had the volume turned down on our lives a little bit in that respect but it's given us an opportunity that we really need to take advantage of. Okay. That's wonderful. So if moms want to learn more about you, what can they do? So uh, they can go to the curiosityblueprint.com. That's where we have some information about our program. Um, I'm on social media. um, Sorry. I'm on social media at Hey Mike Alpert um, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook uh, they can reach out to me or you can reach, you could email me anytime at Mike at Hey Cogent. Um, and I'd be happy to to talk with you further. And you mentioned earlier that there was something free on your website. Yeah. So right now, you know, we have uh, developed this online course for parents that teaches them 
um, how to support, it does two things. It teaches them how to support uh, learning in the age of, of remote learning and hybrid learning and um, whatever scenario we find ourselves in. Basically what it is, is, is I teach parents all of the tricks that I learned as a teacher uh, to help keep kids curious and engaged. So I kind of just put it all out there. I give you tons of documentation on how to do that. Um, tons of tutorial videos for your students that are directly aimed at your students. So you don't have to explain the framework to them. I just offer this course to parents because I want them to be involved. Um, and so in about an hour of time, you can get up to speed on a framework that's really going to help support your kids through this year. Um, but then also, it also works as a uh, totally ancillary uh, framework to just help your kids explore their own curiosity. So even if it's not directed at uh, supporting their school assigned work, they can take any question like the burning question I mentioned before about um, the, the Citigroup building in, in Manhattan and explore all elements of those curiosities and, and it integrates math and science and history. So anyways, that is at thecuriosityblueprint.com. It's $49, um, but if you use the code moms with teens, it's 20% off. And so I encourage you to go check that out. There's a lot of uh, free previews on there. So go take a look in that graphic organizer that I mentioned is, is available for download for free there. If nothing else, download that, print it out, uh, fill it out with, with your teen and, and have a good conversation. I think you'd be really uh, happy with kind of what comes out of that. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, uh, Mike, I really appreciate your, your time today. Great. Thank you so much, Colleen. It's a real pleasure to be chatting with you and um, yeah, everybody keeps the hope and uh, we'll get through this year. It's going to be a good one. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.